Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Good morning, afternoon, evening, podcast fans. This is 101 Part-Time Jobs, and I speak to bands about the jobs they did. We speak to Elizabeth and John this time from New Zealand band The Beths, who are absolutely rocking. They tell me all about what they were both up to before the band really grabbed hold and took them around the world. It's a really interesting one. The New Zealand music support is really interesting, something maybe we can learn from and, um, and realise is a, is a thing that other countries do. We could talk till the end of time about how crap the British government is, but if we can think about areas that we really want to, to push support and kind of rally for, for positive changes, I think funding in the arts is perhaps a good place to start for us music fans. That and nationwide austerity. So anyway, I digress, I digest. This is the best. Their new record, Jump Rope Gazers, is out this month, and I implore you to check it out. Did you all study jazz at uni? Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. What, what was that like? Um, it was good. Like, we, it was a while ago. Um, the types of music you can study in New Zealand, um, you can kind of go classical, you can do a kind of a musicology kind of theoretical I don't know. I think we all kind of liked the the practicalness of um, the jazz degree, um, the way that it was a it was a very practical degree. Like it was mostly it was mostly playing and practicing um, and playing together with other people. And there's 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 good funding um, in New Zealand for for music, isn't there? Um, yeah. yeah, we're very lucky. Oh yeah. How how does that work to um to to people who live in Britain who have no idea about arts and culture funding from the government um well there's different kinds for obviously different kinds of i guess music um the ones that we've been able to um been eligible for and been lucky enough to get have been things like um for uh there's a a a a government body called new zealand on air so new zealand on air and they um they will fund uh like if you you do applications um and like I don't know, six times a year or something, they'll um, they'll do these like small grants of like eight thousand New Zealand dollars, which is maybe what three or four thousand pounds, <laughs> to fund a single and a video. Um, and so, like quite often, um, you can apply for uh, just like kind of bands if if you're. It's very if it's very early stage, it's it's hard to get it because like you know it's a it's a grant and you have to try and try to meet criteria and things like that. But um, that's something that's quite well, quite a lot of bands quite find quite helpful. I think that it tends to be more on the slightly commercial end of the spectrum rather than like if you are making, um, I guess more art music or, or something like that. There's things like Creative New Zealand. There's just kind of different um, bodies you can you can look into. We used to have a broadcasting commission, kind of like the BBC, but in the 1980s when the neoliberal revolution happened in New Zealand, we completely uh, dismantled all of that and replaced it with this thing called New Zealand On Air, which is like a competitive, contested uh, fund with where, where the money is um, allocated in broad strokes like X millions of dollars for music a year x millions of dollars for television or something and then everyone kind of competes in this uh in this media bloodbath to get their hands on some of that some of that money and, and that 
that'll be sort of um, the bigger labels and the bigger artists as well as the smaller labels and artists. Yeah, but having said that, the music side of it is very benevolent and really friendly uh, and it's more the um, the TV production side of it where um, they do they have this famous party that happens like the day before the funding results for that year come out so that everyone who's still friends can have a party together and then the next day when they find out who got the funding they may they never need to see each other again on the the tv side yeah that's mad isn't it (laughs) it's mad the the music music side is is a bit more friendly it's very friendly yeah it's pretty small small um community you can't really be a a dick (laughs) and we also have like a tour funding which we are uh, recipients of um which is sort of like a basically like a trade organization which sort of promotes musicians growing their businesses so yeah exporting i'm doing air quotes yeah um which make like when you are as isolated as new zealanders there are yeah i think there are for different and for a lot of different industries this kind of um what did you call it trade 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 Advocacy, advocacy, government, government advocates. Group, yeah, yeah. For, but it's it's for music, I guess, just because, um, just to even get anywhere else, um, for us touring, but for I guess for anyone exporting as well, it's it's a it's a long way. When you found out about um, those grants and those opportunities, did that sort of make you position yourselves as 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 maybe something more professional than, than a band playing for fun? Even when we were like staunchly a band playing for fun we still um we're aware of the grants and even um i think we even got one for whatever do we get another one off the ep lying in the sun we did too yeah so we got two off the ep when it was still just a hobby band and um you know we were we were working more or less full-time jobs as well as playing in lots of other bands and this was our second or third or fourth sort of main project musically even but the the you know the the funding's there and you want to make a music video and uh, you've got a thousand Facebook followers or whatever the minimum requirements are so you just fill out the form and try yeah. cross your fingers. But we basically. were so lucky. Like you, you obviously we then you then know you know ten other bands of your friends who for some reason have applied every single time and haven't got it and you don't. Really, sometimes it's a bit of a yeah. black box. But um, a, a few thousand. Um, for, for, for a single and a video is actually quite a good, you know, that's a, that's a healthy amount. You can get it done. You can get the job done. It's, for it's, sure. you know, it's a way that you can use that money. If, if you get a couple of singles funded, um, you can yeah. pay for, you know, an album um, with it as well. Do you produce yourselves? Do you, do you produce your own demos? Yeah. So Jonathan records us has since the start. So has, has that been a help in terms of getting the, the, the hardware and well, and the software, I suppose. <laughs> Um, it's not really supposed to be for, uh, buying things. So it's really supposed to be for paying people. Um, but the fact that I record our band does make the accounting side of it pretty easy. And, um, uh, you know, I don't want to upset anyone from New Zealand on air here. And I don't think I am because I think we're meeting their goals of, getting New Zealand music music out there and broadcast. But um, if I charge for my studio time and uh, 
perhaps the main function of that studio is not necessarily just to record our album, but also to organize a tour or something like that. Um, you know, like a HQ. Yeah, we can we can kind of be a little bit more flexible with the money, so it, that is a um, that is an advantage. Uh, yeah. But uh, I I think um, yeah, how much I. <sighs> I'm not so sure that that's why we do the things that we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's not, not that calculated. No, no, no. Like the, Jonathan records us because, I mean, when we, when we when I first started the band, it was because Jonathan was like, can you please make a project so that I can record it? Um, and I was like, oh, okay. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's 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 inbuilt. Sorry. It's inbuilt. I think future future me and um and the the new record has this. The production's awesome, and I and I think maybe this is perhaps a bit of a lazy thing to say because um you you, you just did, did a big tour with them, and when you see two bands in the same place, you automatically make this connection. But it has this big death cab sound. I think in this kind of marriage of something that's punk rock, but also kind of really kind of friendly and warm and indie. Um, and I think that's probably really lazy and sort of bad words to use for it. But my point is, is that is the production is very specific to your sound. We're long time, we're long, long time Death Cab fans, and maybe um, seeing them every night, sixteen nights in a row, play a great set and falling in love with the band again, uh, kind of gave us permission to mine that, um, mine that influence a little deeper. So you, I don't think you're too far off the mark by saying that. Because it's kind of heavy and not heavy at the same time. Or there are moments of it, you know? Yeah. It's hard to tell what's production and uh, and kind of recording and what's inbuilt into the arrangement of, of the songs and things like that. I suppose they're kind of one and the same in, in a lot of ways. Like they kind of happen at the same time. Um, like the decisions that you make about arrangement and particularly this time, like with the previous album, we like a lot more of it was arranged for live because we played everything live before we recorded it. Hmm. But, but even so, like the, I don't know, I think, but I guess, I guess this time in particular, that the decisions about production and about arrangement were all kind of happening in the same time um, while we were kind of learning the songs together. Did you get any outside um, perspective from maybe friends or, or mentors that you could send a few you know, ideas to and, and say, what do you think of this? Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, yeah, we sure did. Jonathan's got... I've got a, I've got my little group. Yeah. Of, a web, uh, web of... You've got to have your support group, you know? You've yeah. Got to have, especially for something like mixing, you know, when you just sit there and think you're, think you're breaking the song, you know, think you're doing a terrible job and then you just need to send it to someone else and... Um, yeah, uh, so this um, another uh, one of our label mates, Bevan Smith, who records under the name Introverted Dance Floor, helps me with mixing a lot, and also Ollie Devlin, Oliver Devlin from Hans Puckett helps a lot with my production. And then Liz, you also bounce song ideas and lyrics and things off Ollie, don't you? A little. You, you mentioned earlier full time jobs as well as being in other projects and sort of just being being dotted around what what jobs did you all have at that time so when we started the band um i was teaching 
the trumpet um kind of at uh i was an itinerant trumpet teacher i don't know if that that's what the position is it's um like in new zealand uh if you want to learn an instrument at high school uh and if you go to a public school you can uh you guys call them different things uh (laughs) state school a state school um you can like it's subsidized so um you can go to the music department and they'll have a music program that's subsidized so it'll either be free or it'll just be like a small fee and you go for half an hour lesson during school time so you'll have to you skip half of a class to go to it um so that's how i learned when i was at high school like learned guitar that's how i learned um the trumpet it's um and then i by the end of school i was it was very fun to be able to kind of um legally leave your regular classes and um just learn from the music t-shirts and so that's what my job ended up being i was like i would go to different um i was at i don't know i was just at a bunch of different schools but um because the trumpet doesn't have that many students learning it i would only have like a couple of hours at each school so i'd kind of um hop from school to school with 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 the hindsight of it now um looking back at your life um around you know well at that time did you did you think that you'd be teaching trumpet sort of you know indefinitely like what what did the future look for you um Um, like then i don't know like it it it, um teaching uh was something that was i don't know like it's it's like anything i guess it was a job and it was rewarding sometimes and like really annoying sometimes and um it was the like with my degree it was <laughs> the job i could get paid the most per hour so it kind of made sense to do um i think i i think i was an okay teacher <laughs> but um ben ben our bass player he was also doing the same job but he um he's a saxophone teacher and i think he's got like a bit more of a knack for it or something he's a really good yeah, teacher. he's like he's just a good teacher and like a really proactive and really like um great to see way because we taught a lot of the same schools um yeah. and so like <laughs> i don't know but obviously he's he's obviously left teaching as well um although he's been picking up shifts recently but um that sounds like it could that sounds like it could be like a lot of fun you know having some of your your close friends do a similar job to you oh yeah like the the a lot of the itinerant music <laughs> scene is just like great musicians who like it's a it's a night it's a good um main income to have and then while you um do while you do music well like while we were because like before the best like while i was teaching and while ben was teaching like it wasn't just that it was that we would teach you would teach and then you would and then you would play like yeah so while i was teaching i'd be playing in like a bunch of different projects and then filling in on a bunch of different projects like playing in playing on recordings playing on covers gigs and like just like being a in in a part of a lot of different parts of the music scene um in Auckland it does seem yeah sorry it does seem being a being a music teacher you know it seems like a like a route de passage to play music full-time Kind of, yeah. It's 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 it was it's difficult to be a full time musician in 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 Auckland just because it's 
just a little bit like it's a big city but it's a little bit small i think to so i know a lot of people who 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 do it but um it just means you take a lot of just random gigs like you can do it i think if you're a drummer <laughs> it's high demand yeah. if you're a good drummer if you're a good drummer sorry this because it's kind of a shortage um there's actually not a shortage really like there's a lot uh, of good drummers around but they're so drums. needed every gig needs yeah, a every gig needs a good drummer so if you're if you're a good drummer you'll you you'll always have enough work yeah um so tristan uh, was a musician mm-hmm. I, I can't drummer now he was a full-time musician i think are there sort of quite um, are there a lot of independent venues and um shops and kind of outlets that that might in, that might encourage the i guess the general kind of music scene in in auckland yeah um there are there's a healthy a healthy amount of that um i wouldn't say it's uh, some kind of um musicians wonderland where like every shop will give you a gig but um it's 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 really healthy there's good there's good size venues at at most sizes that you might need for a particular event and then um the kind of something that i've sort of found is sort of unique to new zealand is that uh this the interaction between the venues and the musicians is very personal um there isn't really a uh there isn't really a level of industry where every venue kind of has a booker and then there's promoters booking shows with those bookers and then bands being contracted by the promoters or something like that some system how it seems to work in in the usa and in the uk uh depending on where you are um in new zealand if you've got a band like the beths and you've got a few facebook followers and you put an ep out and you want to play a gig at the whammy bar you just call up tom or send him a message on facebook the owner of the venue and say can i play a gig please and then he'll give you a date and then you got a gig. Yeah, they charge you a venue for it. So in a, in a, I guess in a way you kind of you are, you are the promoter of your Yeah, definitely. Gig. Yeah, you take on Pick a risk. You just, and you, you just put on your you So it's kind of kind of DIY-ish, but just to a slightly bigger level. Yeah, you can DIY up to a thousand people or more in a New Zealand venue. And you really, yeah, it's, That's mad. you know, there isn't really the size, the critical mass to have that kind of middle layer of infrastructure i mean obviously you're doing some production price this jonathan but did it did it seem like um you know a potential career for you prior to the bets yeah yeah to an extent yeah although i'm i've i've am a little i love it i love doing it and i love learning about it you know i feel just yeah i i just feel that i i'm yeah i really enjoy doing it but uh, in terms of making it a job, I'm a little bit uncomfortable about it because my clients are musicians, and uh, you know, if I, uh, I'm just, I'm just aware that someone has had to work a shitty day job and then play a bunch of gigs that they probably didn't really want to play in order to come to me with their project that they really love, that they really want to make something special. And then I'm asking them for money from all those other pursuits, and then I just get to do the fun thing that I love. I, it it just is a bit uncomfortable for me as a job, but it's it, it has been kind of a part of uh, um, part of my um, my work and my income for many years. 
between that and doing live sound, for instance, which I feel much more comfortable about because people are putting on a gig and uh, a bunch of people are coming to the gig and buying tickets and buying beers and then I get paid by someone at the end of the night and I feel like I've contributed to the to everyone's success in that way, you know. So, um, yeah, I, production has, has been that for me, but it's a little bit uncomfortable. I completely understand that. I, I, I feel like my experience of, of being around the studio is, is money is almost something you try not to talk about, you know, which in itself is, seems kind of unhealthy. Yeah, I, I feel like there's there's probably some like, I think there probably is a solution in um, sharing, you know, having some kind of share in the in the project's success or something like that. But that's also a really uncomfortable thing to talk about. And a lot of musicians are pretty loath to, um, you know, uh, a lot of musicians will prefer to pay a lot of money up front and keep 100% of their rights to the music or something like that even if those rights are not really worth very much at the end of the day Hmm. um so you know that it is i don't know what the solution is but well money is a lot of times the solution ends up being um that if 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 you're lucky then the band gets some new zealand on air funding which means that it's it's great because it means that that they get to pay for a a good recording or and, and a good video or whatever and then you can ask for like a, an amount that seems that seems right. That's without, right. Um, and that's what it's for. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. It does seem to be this culture um, in musicians and bands. It's almost like you almost, you know, settling up after a gig is more often than not fairly awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I always quite liked that, that stage of the gig when it was Beth's gigs and they were DIY gigs and we had a couple of support bands or something and we were splitting the money. I, I always really liked, you know, you're like, Hey, we made, we made a thousand bucks tonight. Right. Everyone have, have, have $150 and we'll pay the venue as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. uh, it always, it always felt really good. And, and we always tried to split the money as kind of equitably as we could. When there was that transitional period where the Beths were getting, you know, a, a, a good fee, was there was there a moment that you can pinpoint now where you kind of looked at each other and thought, okay, like, shall we, you know, should we really spearhead our, ourselves towards this future for ourselves? It wasn't, there was, uh, there was a point where we did that, but it, it wasn't, when we were like started earning good fees and, and you hmm we there, I think there was a point where we were kind of like we'd play local shows and they were going really well and that was I think we kind of knew that but I, I think the thing that spearheaded it was that we um we finished not, uh yeah we did we finished recording Future Me Hates Me and like kind of had it and then we're kind of showing it around to people like to our friends and things like that and I think we just kind of thought it was good and that like and we we I was we were like let's like let's just let's just do it let's like actually let's let's throw everything into this for next year let's um like I think it, it was like towards the end of 2017 and I was like okay like starting starting tomorrow I'm gonna start booking a European and American tour and uh also I was emailing labels which doesn't work so um 
but but then um a friend of ours did show a record to car park and then when they kind of and then we, i was able to in in good faith say to them we're, we're going on a we're going on tour to the, to the states in europe i'm i'm booking it right now um I, I don't know and i think it just kind of it felt like we were taking it seriously and then yeah and then i, I just started booking I booked one show in London on like at, for like a club night. And I was like, okay, I guess we're doing it now. <laughs> um, and then like just tried to pull the rest together um, for, for the next year going into term, you know, and then like we started teaching the start of, start of term one in, in um, February of 2018 and then uh, quit at the end of term one. Which was cheeky stuff because it meant you got holiday pay over the Christmas break. <laughs> It's my right. Yeah, it, it happened to just coincide, as Liz mentioned, with what, like these great arbitrary moments to just take stock of your life that come up when it's when it's Christmas time and you have a holiday and you sit down and you don't have anything to do for a couple of weeks, and you know you just get talking to each other about what you want to do next year or something, and that coincided with finishing this record, which coincided with realizing that this friend of ours, Bevan, who's the guy who helps me mix records um was uh liked the record enough to send it to todd who, who he'd known forever who is the owner of car park records is a record label now and all of these things sort of came together in a quite uncalculated but really serendipitous way that is the point i guess that is really the pinnacle of why i want to do the, these interviews yeah i think that's fascinating isn't it because everyone has their unique kind of way that they got to a certain place i don't think there's a formula that can be necessarily uh drawn yeah i guess maybe i wonder if particularly for us because coming from basically coming from where we do it, it really did have to be quite a like I suppose if we lived in America, you can kind of like, you can kind of dip your toe in, right? You can go on like a small, smaller tour of like the the States around you or something. Or if you're in the UK, you can kind of do a, you could do a whole, like a national tour of the UK and hit quite a lot of places. But I mean, for us, we, we'd been doing national tours. It's it's four cities um, in, in, in New Zealand. And you have to fly have as to fly. far as like London to Aberdeen in order to do it. Yeah. So it's, in order to there was no like well let's just like do a little tour we you can do that in australia that doesn't work it's still too far away so we it was just like we had to really jump into the pool and be like we're going to do this 100 percent. and and if this is the one time that we do this big tour that's cool we did it um we've got like we we'd like we we knew we were going to apply for the funding but there's no the thing about the fun, the creative new zealand funding is that you apply for it but you don't know if you get it until afterwards so um so you you have to just do it you have to be like this is the plan and this is the tour and we like you know we spend all our savings on <laughs> on on, on the whole tour uh spent, spent it all and then like on on like one of the last days like found out that we got it and that they they pay back half of the budget and we were like, cool, this means we can go on another tour. Um, and instead of uh, basically being broken, going going back and... Going back to teaching. Going back to teaching, yeah, to, to earn back some more capital. Were, were there any points where you were scared shitless about everything? Um, 
I was pretty scared when we got to Dublin because Dublin was the first gig we actually yeah it was booked and played. That was pretty scary because it was just like, how is this going to go? And the gig was, it, the gig was okay. The gig was was very good considering, you know, considering we're a tiny unknown Kiwi. Oh yeah, indie band. I we had about twenty five people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As was the story of that tour, and it was, but but you know, people were lovely to us and stuff. So uh, I don't know that it came good, but there was definitely moments of just, yeah. Ab- absolute panic. Like, <laughs> I don't know. For uh, for me, I, I was I was stressed out the whole time, so it was. Um, oh, there was. We've had so many. Think of all the visa stuff. Yeah. All the stuff with USA visas, you know, they were that was panic stuff. Yeah. Terrifying stuff. So you know, yeah. we in in order to do the visa for the very first tour, we kind of I wouldn't say we'd done it last minute, but we had. We were down to the wire to the point where we weren't able to do the interview process in New Zealand. So we had to do this kind of, oh, is that the same tour? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so, so we had to do this we were... kind of crazy mission through London to get to the visa office to do it in London, which was really intimidating because it's like a, you know, it's a, it's almost like a military compound, the US embassy in London. And then we got in there and, uh, the person who was in front of us in the line to get their US visas was Tom York. <laughs> you joking? Nah, it was That's him. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, and we all kind of looked each looked at each other, <laughs> and we knew what that look meant. It's the look that could only mean, "Is that Tom York?" <laughs> I think it is. He has to get his own visa. How cool is that? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.